read about the person of Jesus Christ, the greatest example of love. And, and I was just kind of going through this and, and, uh, and doing my homework as well because the homework I give to you, I give to myself as well. And I'm not just reading it to go ahead for some sermon material, but I'm reading it for God to go ahead and speak to my heart. And I read, and I go across First uh, Corinthians 13, run it, probably read it thousands of times, and that's not a hyperbole or whatever. But uh, and I've been reading it in a different translation. I read it this week, and I and I a lot of times I read, oh, I'm doing pretty good in this area, doing pretty good, or but I read it in this different translation. I'm just going, I'm not doing that good in this area. And in fact, there was some areas I just I said, I really need some help. I need, I need God's spirit to help me to go ahead and to live a life of love. And, and, and I'm praying today uh, that you would join me here in this journey of living a legacy of love. If, if you walk through the hallway here, if you're a first-time guest or a visitor, you would notice there on the wall something that, that God began to speak to my heart at a retreat, uh, at a pastor's retreat. In a moment of uh, when I was kind of really, at a, uh, it, it was really kind of a crisis moment in my life. My, my brothers, my other fellow pastors here in the church, I was really in a moment of major discouraged. And uh, I remember calling my wife up and I just, man, I just like, oh, I, 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 I was just really down, discouraged. And, and my wife says, you pray, you seek God. And, and you know, she kind of gave me a kick in the butt right there. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and as I was around my brothers and we were just praying and it just came to this, came to this moment of, of just looking at, at our lives, looking at our church and it came down to this 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 mission statement of together extravagantly loving Jesus and together selflessly loving people and i remember telling my wife about it and and, and over the phone, and she says, oh, that sounds like the great commandment. I said, oh, yeah, you're right. But it's something that's short, and it's something that we can get our, our minds and our hearts and our thoughts around. And, uh, and I want you to begin to think about this. I really hope that you take this seriously. I know that we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, and we thank God for that. But this, this chapter that was written right there is sandwiched in between talking about order and service and spiritual gifts, 12 and 14, and how all these gifts operate in the atmosphere of love. And God's not impressed if people, you know, have the word of knowledge, can, can be, you know, used in the area of miracles and signs and wonders. He says, man, if it's not coupled with love, it's useless. And I want everybody to kind of, kind of one of the things that really got me going on that statement is I began to think about, and, and this is kind of, kind of a little bit morbid, but I want you to think about something here, uh, about an event that's going to happen in your life. It's going to happen for sure unless Christ comes back. You're going to have a funeral, and people are going to come to that funeral. And the question is, when the people that come to your funeral, your friends and your family, what are they going to say? What's the eulogy going to be about? Uh, what, what, what is it going to look, what is your life going to say? What is it going to shout? And, and, and I began to think about this really deep in my heart. And I said, man, man I, I want my kids and my, and my wife to be able to say that my dad really, he wasn't just a pastor, but he really loved God. He really loved Jesus with all of his heart. 
And my dad really loved people, and he loved us well. I want to be able to hear that, uh, and, and, and others, my friends or whatever, whoever comes, I, I hope that's there, that's said there at my funeral. And I want to encourage you to go ahead as we begin to look at this series, I want us to be, go ahead, look at that moment and begin to go backwards and say, how can I create a life of legacy, a life of love? And one of the questions that I want to ask you here this morning, I want you to think about this question. Right now, where you're at, at this moment of time in history, where you're personally at, what is your most important goal in life? My most important goal in life is... uh, My most most important uh, thing to me is... In fact, do that right now. You got your, you got your, you got your outline. I want you to think about that. Now, if nothing's coming to your mind, I, I promise you, uh, by the end of this service, something's going to be coming to your mind. What's the most important thing to me in my life? What is most important? How would you complete that sentence? What phrase? What sentence would you use? What is your number one goal? Is it to be healthy right now? There's some people right now, and you say, "Man, if I don't have my health, I don't have anything." How about maybe happiness? Uh, You want to succeed in your career. Some of you are just right now the most important thing to you. I mean, it's really, it's, it, it's at the top of the list. I, mean, I just, I, mean, I want to have a spouse. I want, I want to get married. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really important to you. It's a very important question to ask yourself right now. The reason why is because all of us here in this room have something what I call, what I call a dominant life value or a dominant life principle. We all have values, we all have principles, but we have this one value, we have this one principle, it's the king of the hill, it's it's at the top of the heap. And in fact, that principle, that value is so important that that we're willing to sacrifice to it. We're willing to give towards it. In fact, we may even be willing to die for it. So every one of us here in this room has one, perhaps even willing to die for it. In fact, we have this, it's so inbred in us unconsciously and consciously, when we make a decision or we're going to make a choice, we go to that that value, that dominant life value, and, and we make decisions based upon that. What's going on? What's most important to me? Let me give you a couple of examples. For some of you who are here, maybe you're young, entertainment and fun is the most important thing to you. Right now, you've been bored with life and, and everything, and, 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 and fun and, and, and entertainment, I mean, is, and you're a student, or, and, and you've, you're going to school, and you have homework and all of that, or you go to work, and, and, and it's, it's the end of the day, and, and you come home from school, and you've got homework to do, and, and you're, you're, a, you're a worker, and you've got things you've got to do around the house, but all of a sudden, you've got invitations and opportunities to do something fun. And so you go, let's see, what do I do? Do I do my homework? Or I go ahead and I do something that's fun. Or I, I mean, I'm tired, you know, I just want to go ahead and lay down, you know, or I want to go ahead and do this. And so we, we go ahead and, and we'll, we'll bow down to what is most important. Here's another one. Another one. It's really, uh, this, is where, this was me, approval, affirmation. 
to be applauded. Uh, I mean, basically, uh, and we do this sometimes just unconsciously, really don't even realize that uh, we're, we're, we, it's really important to be noticed. And that was me for, the, for a number of years, especially when I was in high school. I mean, I was a person that was extremely insecure. Uh, I faked it. Uh, you wouldn't have known it. Maybe you would have known it. Probably if you had been around a while and you were a Christian, you probably would have known if you had been. But I didn't know Christ at that, at that moment in my life. And, uh, and the way that I got affirmation, the way I got recognition, the way that I got the applause, it wasn't through academics. I mean, I was just an average student Barely, okay? I cheated my way through school. I hated academics. I hated school. I was so bored with it. But, when it, but the other thing that really brought, I mean, the attention was the area of athletics. I was a good athlete. I was blessed in that area. One of our top athletes in the school. And starting from the time I was in elementary school all the way up through middle school and junior high, between wrestling and football and baseball, I got a lot of trophies and a lot of rewards from that and, and medals. And so when you won first place and you're standing there on the podium and they put that around your neck and people are cheering and you're hearing from your dad, that's a boy, you know, and you're just going, wow, you know. And, but in the midst of that, uh, it didn't last very long. And, and you just found yourself wanting more and more of it. For some of you, uh, safety is your dominant life value. Yes, there's people that live by that, where you make every decision in life based on what's your safest choice. So when, when change is presented to you, okay, change represents the unknown because it's unknown. That makes it unsafe. And when it's unsafe, you resist it. And you become like what the Bible calls like an old wineskin. You don't change. So it's very important to evaluate what's my most important value. Why is that? Why is that? Because here it is. God has something to say about what's most important in life. He has something to say about what's most important in life. What does God have to say about it? In fact, he has a lot to say about it. Let's look here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at the scriptures. They'll be here on the screen. It says right here, let love be your greatest aim. It's not your career. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not attention. And it's not power. It's not entertainment. It's not your health. It says, let love be your greatest aim in life. God says that's to be your dominant life value in life, is to love. In fact, listen to this. He created you. He created you with the express purpose so that you could have a relationship. He created you with the express purpose that you could love him and he could love you back. He created you. He put you here on earth at this moment of history so not only that you could love him deeply, but you could love others as well. It's about relationship. God created you for relationship. And whenever you put a dominant life principle and value above loving God and loving people, I'm going to tell you this, you will be frustrated in life. You will feel like you got cheated in life. It would be like uh, you're, you're a coffee drinker and, and all of a sudden you have your favorite cup and, and, and someone put a hole in that cup and you pour it in your, your, your coffee right there and you notice it's, you got a couple sips there and it's all over the place and you felt cheated. And it's the same way in life. Whenever we put something before God, 
before loving him and loving people. We'll feel empty. We'll feel unfulfilled. Listen to what Jesus has to say. And you saw it on the screens. Of all the commandments, Mark chapter 12, which is the most important. And Jesus answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. I love how he says this. The second is equally important. I want you to love people like you love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So life is to be about love first and foremost. Here's another scripture. I, I, I read it, but I never saw it before. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Look at this one. It says, do everything in love. Now think about that concept right there. Do everything in love. Does that mean that when it's in the month of December and you're shopping and you're at a mall and you're looking for a parking space and there's none around and you're doing laps and all of a sudden you see a space and you're driving quick to get there and here comes another car pointed, waiting for that car to go ahead and back out. Do, what do I do in that situation? Does that mean that that, uh, that, that person uh, that, that annoys me and makes me mad, do I go ahead and do I uh, be nice to them? Does that mean writing, uh, when I write an email or, or sending a text or a tweet or posting something on Facebook, do I do that in love? Does that, does that include that? Uh, does it include people who, who attack your faith? Does it include being nice and polite to people who vote differently than you do? It's yes to all the above. If you don't, you're missing the point of life. I want you to look at this verse. We're going to do something that I think the Bible says that it's really good to do. We're going to memorize a scripture here together. It's a really, it's a really short one. It's four words, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. How many think that we could do this one today? And then when we're, we're going to get quizzed on it next week. How many think they can get, how many think we can do this one, okay? Here it is. Let's say it together. Do everything in love. Now, where's the place where it's found? It's in what? Chapter 16, verse 14. So that's the address, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. What is it? It says, do what? Okay. And where is it found? All right. Okay. All right. You got it. Okay. What is it again? I forgot it. Okay. Let's do it again. Okay. Do everything in love. And where is it found? 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Okay. Awesome. Now, if you're a young person, uh, I, 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 probably those who are connected to Jesus, you may be thinking this way, but most young people are not thinking really so much in the future. They're thinking more of the now. And, uh, but I, I, I don't know about you. I want my life to count. I, I, that I just didn't occupy space, that, that there was a meaning to my life, that I touched people's life. And the only way that's going to happen if I live a legacy of love. And so we're going to look at that here this morning. So would you agree with me? Just let me ask you from the scriptures. Just, is there anything more important 
than loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Is there anything more important than love? Would, would everybody agree that that's it? That's at the top of the heap? Okay. All right. I, what I want to do here for the next few moments, I want to talk about uh, three basics of love. In your notes, I'm calling them the laws of love, and I want you to write these down. I want you to listen really closely because uh, the enemy would have you to go to be distracted, to be thinking about uh, the roast that's in the oven, the football game that's going to be on a little bit later on, and those things were wait. I want to encourage you to focus with all of your heart. Number one, first law of love. Here it is. The best use of life is love. Best use of life is love. Why does God say that? Why do we say that? Why does God say that? Here it is. There's two reasons. I'm going to talk to you about take, take a couple of moments. Number one, it validates your faith and your relationship with God. It validates your faith. It proves that you're in God's family. It proves that you are born again. It proves that God's spirit is resting upon you. It proves that you're a new creation in Christ. It proves that you are going towards heaven, that you're pointed in the right direction. You're on the right size. In fact, it legitimizes your faith. It proves that you have legit faith. How do you have legit faith? You're a person who loves God and loves people. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that prove my point. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus said, if you really love me, you'll obey my commandments. Now, some of you are going, oh, man, God is just about rules and commandments and other things. No, he's not. In fact, the Bible says, it says his commands are not burdensome. In fact, his commands are good for us. Now, the question is, Jesus says, you want to really prove your love for me? Obey my commandments. Now, let's look at, look at what he says here in the next chapter about his commandments. Okay, John chapter 15. This is my command. Here it is. Love each other. So if you really want to love God, love people. That's one of the ways that we can prove that we love God and we have legitimate faith in him. Remember, some of you have heard this story. Please indulge me, but i got to tell it to, to a lot of people who haven't heard this story yet. Uh, when I was in Bible college, I was probably about 21, 22 years old at the time, and, uh, and I was growing. God was doing some awesome things in my life, led hundreds of people to the Lord. My mom saw how on fire I was, picking up hitchhikers, you know, telling them about Jesus. I mean, love to tell people about, about God. And, but there was one summer, uh, I, I don't know what, what got into me, but I, I was just a jerk. I was acting like a jerk towards my parents. And finally, if you know my mom, she's, she's the most gentlest, humble, just, she, if, you meet, if you've never met Mary Rarick, anybody that knows Mary Rarick, I mean, if you ruffle her feathers, you have to, I mean, really, anyways, I ruffled her feathers, and she had it. And uh, we're in the kitchen, and she's by the kitchen. She's to my left, and I'm here, and, 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 and I'm, she got up in my face, and she started poking her finger right there at my, ch- my chest. She says, I don't care how many people you've wanted to Jesus. I don't care if you read your Bible all the time, but if you keep on treating your dad and your mom like this, you're a phony in my eyes. Oh, and I'm going, well, 
okay. <laughs> and, and she was right. And so I had to go ahead and I, I, I turned around and I, I went to my room. She didn't tell me to go to my room, but, but I went and prayed. And I said, God, I am sorry. And I came out of the room and I said, Mom, I'm sorry. And uh, Lord changed me. And folks, love proves our faith in God. It, 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 that plastic piece that's in your purse, that debit card or in your wallet, how many got that debit card right in there? If, if, if you want to make a purchase and be able to validate, okay, your, your identity, you have to go ahead and you take that card and you slide it there into that little machine and you, you, you 7-0- Nine, two, okay, and there, and then it goes. Then you're, then you're able to go ahead and make your, make your purchase, and, uh, and, and you can go because you're legitimatizing your identity. Okay, by the way, my, my pin number is not seven zero nine two. You're not getting it, okay. <laughs> In order to get to heaven. You have to validate and prove your identity. You have to prove that you are a child of Christ, that you made a decision, okay? You were walking in one direction towards sin. You are turning your back on sin. It's called repentance. And you're turning towards Christ, and you are putting your trust in what he did for you on the cross, not what you have done here on earth, but you put your trust in Christ, okay? Turning from sin and turning to Christ and deciding that I'm going to live a life like Jesus, to live a life of love towards God and to live a life towards people. And so when I stand before God and when you stand before people, God looks at you and he looks at me. He said, did you take advantage of the opportunities I gave you, the people that I brought in your path? Did you love them? Did you love me? The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. You may think you're going to heaven. You say, I, I know God, but you, don't, but you don't love people. The Bible makes it just really clear. It's not gray. You don't know him. Because if you really knew him, you would love people. It goes even further, a couple verses down. It says, if we love God, it says, not only do we not lo- know him, if we say we love God and don't love each other, we're liars. Woo! We cannot see God, so how can we love God if we don't love the people we can see? Wow. Did anybody just get busted in here right now? I, I, th- I think so. So God will give us the grace to love people. But let's look at it, okay? So we know that, that love is very important, but let's look at the second reason why not only does it legitimize our, our faith, but we know that love lasts forever. When you do something loving, you know what happens? It echoes into eternity. It, it, it just sends waves into eternity. Every, every time that, that you express love towards God and love towards people, 
And, and, and you do it not for yourself, but you're doing it because you, you want to spend time with him. You want to worship him. You want to sing to him. You want to give in and sow into his kingdom because you love him. You want to go ahead and help people. Every time you do it, it's, it, it, you're sending something into eternity. And not only is it going into eternity, but God is going to reward that. I know this. Everything in life is not going to last Everything else is going to be temporary. But look at this. Love lasts forever. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. So these three things continue forever. Not money, not a career. It's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. That's why we're taking these next few weeks in here in the month of January, we are, we are digging in. We're making this our greatest aim is love, loving God and loving people. If you want a lasting legacy and you're thinking about your funeral here today, think about love. If you want people to remember you, remember that love is the one that lasts. I hate to tell you some people here, you've worked hard all your life. You've been working on your career, but people are going to forget about that. They're going to forget about the job that you had. They're going to forget about the things that you acquired in life. But they will remember about what you gave, not what you acquired. They're going to remember what you sacrificed for. One day, all those trophies and all those bags, badges and all those medals, uh, those merit badges, those report cards, those degrees on the wall, that gold watch for re retirement, can I tell you what's going to happen? Someone's going to come across it. I don't know when it's going to happen. They're going to look at this and they're going to say, I don't know what to do with this. And it's going to, you know what? And their, their instinct, they're going to, they may resist for a little while, but eventually it's going to all end up in the trash. Unless you're a very famous person. It's going to end up, why? Because everything in here in life is temporary. Okay. It's, it, and by the way, the money, when you came into the world, you didn't have anything, did you? You came naked, okay? You didn't have anything to your name, and you didn't have anything on your body, and you're going to go the same way. When it comes to money, you're not, you're not going to have anything to take with you. All of it's temporary, my brothers and sisters. As I said last week, um, I've been to a number of places uh, in hospice and hospitals and at homes with people in their last month and their last weeks, their last days and their last hours. And uh, I've never heard in, in, in all my, no one said, man, could you just, I want to see that diploma. That was, on, please, I remember all the hard work and all the achievements. I, no one's ever asked for that trophy or for that medal. Never heard anybody do anything like this. But here's what I do here and here's what I see. They're asking for people, if they're cognizant, they want their friends and their family around them to encourage them in their last moments. And not only just to encourage them, but they, at those last moments, in those last days, they're asking people to come around them because they want to express their love to them. Because they figure it out. Because they recognize at the end of the day, it's all about love. It's all about relationships. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. So no matter what I say or what I believe or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Amen? Law number two. The best expression of love is called time. You spell love, write this down, T-I-M-E. 
M-E. 1 John 3, 18, little children, and by the way, this is not literally little children. It's talking about people who are in God's family, God's sons and daughters, that's adults. Let us stop just saying we love people. By the way, that's good to say that. Nothing wrong with that. But let us really love them and show it by our actions. Show me the proof of your actions. Now, when it comes, uh, guys, uh, for what is the most desired gift for a lady? Is it, is it diamonds? Is it, is it flowers? Is it chocolates? Uh, uh, so, so we, we know that, that when, we, when we take the time to go ahead or, or the sacrifice to denounce some ladies and say, man, I love flowers. I would love to have a diamond, but, you know, we can't afford something like that. But when it comes to chocolate, oh, yeah, okay. I'll take chocolate anytime. Anybody like chocolates in here, by the way? Can I read you a couple of things I came across about chocolates here this morning? Just can we have a little bit of fun here for a second? Let me read you a couple of little sayings. A, a little too much chocolate is just about right. Amen. <laughs> Anything tastes better dipped in chocolate. Chocolate is nature's way of making up for Mondays. <laughs> Dip it in chocolate. It'll be fine. <laughs> Put the chocolate in the bag and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> Emergency alert. This was on a T-shirt. If the wearer of this shirt is found vacant, listless, and or depressed, administer chocolate immediately. <laughs> Here's another one. was on a T-shirt. Will work for chocolate. Amen? Okay. <laughs> so, what is the most desired gift? Here it is, folks. Focused attention and time. Time is probably the best expression of love that we can ever give to somebody, to our kids, to our husband, to our wife, to our friends, to our brothers and sisters here in the church, to people who don't know Christ yet. Time is the very best thing that we can give. Why is that? Because your time is your most precious resource. I know it is to me. We all have different amounts of energy. We all have different amounts of wealth here in this place, different amounts of talent, and definitely we're different in personality. But we all have the exact amount of time, right? 168 hours. And out of that 168 hours, we get to choose most of the time uh, what we focus in on and what we're going to do. The question is, will we make our time count? The writer says there in Psalms chapter 90, it says, verse 12, teach us, how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. I know this. My most important commodity that I have in my life and you have in your life is time. And, and, and we just don't know when, when our time is going to run out. I don't know. I don't know when, how long that you're going to be here on earth. If Jesus Christ doesn't come back again, I mean, our number will be called. And so because of that, I want my life to count. If my life is going to be counting, i got to be numbering my days right. i got to be living carefully. i got to be living with wisdom. I can always get more money, but I can't get more time. Every time I give a minute to something, I will never get that minute back. So it's very important what we give our time to. 
I believe that the essence of true loving is giving of ourselves. Giving of ourselves. Just, I've heard husbands say this. I can't tell you. As a, and, 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 and fathers, uh, as a youth pastor, I heard, probably heard this statement five, six times as I've been a pastor and, and say this. You know what? I work hard. I provide for my kids. I provide for my wife. I give them everything they need and more. And it's never enough. And then I ask them, I said, how are you spending your time? And when I look at it, I mean, they're putting so much time into their career and to other activities. And I said, what they're saying is, Dad, they want you. They want time with you. They want focused attention from you. Look at me, Dad. Look at me, Mom. And I'm not just speaking to dads here in this room. I'm speaking to some moms who are really busy. I remember... Uh, Back in, I mean, this girl absolutely owned me, my third daughter, Rachel. And, uh, and uh, she's married now, has a child. But Rachel, if he, she had this bleach blonde, white hair, curly hair. I mean, she was a Shirley Temple. Does anybody remember Shirley? How many people, most of you probably didn't hear Shirley Temple. But uh, anyways, uh, she, she just, she had these bright, blazing blue eyes, and uh, when she was excited about something, she wanted to talk to me about something, and, and she would come up to Dad, and she would go, and, and, and literally, and if I wasn't paying totally close attention, she's, and she would grab me by the cheeks and look at me like this, you know, and say, you, you, I, I want your total undivided attention, okay? And she would go, you know what happened? I was on my bike today, and this one, and I'm going, yeah, you know, it was, it was exciting, you know, and, uh, and she, I mean, that was speaking to her when dad was paying attention to her. Came across something that I was reading, an authority on stress. His name was Dr. Richard Swenson, and he said this, I've come to believe that the speed of society is as much responsible for the problems of personal and social dysfunction as any other single factor. Many of our relationships are damaged by hurry. We're always in a hurry. Many families are being starved to death by velocity. We walk fast. We talk fast. We eat fast. We drive fast. Then announce, I'm, I'm sorry, I've got, I've got to run. God, I suspect, doesn't fit any better into our breakneck schedules than our children do. Wow. Chuck, Chuck uh, Swindoll said this, check this out. Busyness destroys relationships. It substitutes shallow frenzy for deep friendship. Busyness feeds the ego, but it starves those who love us. It fills the calendar, but it fractures the families. Amen, Chuck. Amen. And so... There's no question. I know there's some people that are really struggling when it comes to time management and trying to, to fit things in, and, uh, and, and you're trying to say, well, how, how, do I fit, how do I fit people into my life? And, and if you're really asking that, that question, you're asking the wrong question because people and God are, are, are right. God and people right there are to be at the top and loving them. We have to ask the question, how do I work out my career? How do I work out my health? How do I get other things in, some leisure time to be able to relax and have some fun? How do I get, but no, it's people there at the top. I, wanna, I want you to look at this question. What, what, are, what are the thieves that are stealing from your relationships right now? 
Take a look at these right here. These are the five big ones. Not the only ones. TV, the computer, work, a hobby, the phone, all of those. Guys, can I, as I told you, I... As I'm putting this together, I've been busted. I'm, I'm asking God, have mercy. I've allowed the TV. I've allowed work. I've allowed uh, other things to go ahead and get in the way from my relationship with my kids and my wife. Dad, sh- husband, shut it off. You know, turn the game off. You know, uh, we need you. And so I ask God, God, give me grace here. Ephesians 5, 2 says this, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Underline that word sacrifice. Real love is connected to sacrifice. That means if you have a schedule, you're busy, and you have an agenda, you're busy, that means that you go ahead, the people that you live life, you're doing life with, and, and other uh, requests and demands are put upon you, sometimes that means, you know what? I love you so much. I care about you so much. I'm willing to relinquish my schedule and my desires for your schedule and your desires. I'm willing to give you my time because I want you to know that I value, that I love you. So the best expression The law number two for love is time. And number three, the best time to love is now. Not tomorrow, not sometime in the future, not sometime when you feel like it, uh, when you get around to it, or or soon I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to live a life of love. No, live a life of love now. Galatians 6.10 says this, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith. Really interesting. When we have an opportunity to do good, there's an oppor- we don't have opportunities to do good for everybody, but there's definitely opportunities we could do good for some people. But then he goes on and he says, especially, he says, I want you to be paying attention to the people that you go to church with, your church family. He says, I want you to be blessing them. I want you to be helping them. I want you to be good to them. I want you to help them out, especially to those of the family of faith. Well, the question is, how does that happen? How do we even do something like this? We get together on a Sunday morning. I guarantee you right now, I mean, we've been here almost a couple of hours by the time you drove here. I mean, there's some people that are hungry right now. You can't wait to eat. You're not on a fast right now. And so when, when, when we say the amen, I mean, you're making a beeline for the door. You want to go home and get something to eat or go out to get some food. I understand that. And then I know that there's people when, when the service is over, they're just kind of chilling out, they're hanging out, saying hello, getting to say, say hi to their friends and their brothers and sisters. And, and I've watched it over the 15 years I've been a pastor, the people that kind of hang out, and it's beautiful, it's, it's awesome. And they, they talk, and I, and I see people encouraging one another, giving advice and wisdom, praying for people. Awesome. I mean, I didn't ask them to do it. They just do it because, why? Because they love. But most of the time, Sunday is not set up for really an environment to where we can really get to know one another, really get involved in people's lives, where we can really do good for those. Where do we do that? Where can we do it? Life groups. I want to encourage you. Church is more than just a Sunday. Church is about loving 
your brothers. And you will never be able to love your brothers unless you're somehow connected to them, know their name. And it takes effort. It, it, it makes, it's a decision that says, you know what, I, I just don't have time for life groups. No, yes, you do. I'm, that's coming to the top. I'm figuring out uh, your other stuff is I'm watching less TV. I'm, I'm going to be less on Facebook. Uh, I, I'm, I'm making time for my brothers and sisters. I'm going to find a, two hours in a week to go ahead and be a blessing to them. I want to go ahead and help and be a blessing. So the best expression for love is time, and the best time to love is now. Ephesians 5.16, use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. Proverbs 3.27.28 says this, wherever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Never tell your neighbors to wait till tomorrow if you can help them now. So here's my question here this morning. Who has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about lately? Who, who, who's the person right now that you know that needs encouragement, that's down, that's lonely? You know about them. And it could use a phone call. could use maybe a text. And, and, and maybe just, hey, let's get together for lunch. Who's that person that just needs a, a, you know, a visit, a prayer, in the ear. God has someone for you to minister to here in this body, here in your neighborhood, someone here in Citrus kind of, I don't know, but God has someone, he's, he, he, you're here to love. He's called you to be salt and light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. As you love them, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. So the best use of life is what? Is love. The best expression of love is time. The best time to do it is right now. Amen? Amen. Let's close our eyes for just a moment.